study, uh, take your Bible and look at uh, Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at the doctor's uh, gospel as we continue today in a message I've entitled, Unafraid and Unashamed. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for the gift of life. Oh, to rise from our beds, to see the beautiful sunrise, and the beauty of the morning, and the changing of the light through the day, and the colorful, beautiful autumn colors that are so beautiful. And it's a reminder that uh, you're the God of creation and glory. Glory be unto you. We're going to look this morning even as Jesus tells us about sparrows. Could there be anything of less worth? And yet to you, you've made them. There's a message of the sparrows, and we don't want to miss that. There's a message of everything we look at in this world. We're so thankful for it. You're our creator, and we bow before you. But more than that, we bow before thee as our redeemer. For your calling and election is sure. Thank you for the fact that you're a great God, but more than that, a good God. Your love, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, even the Lord Jesus, to be our Savior. You lived, Lord Jesus, the life we should live, but didn't due to our sin. You died the death that we deserve to die, but you died on our behalf as the sin substitute. And there's room at the cross for any and all who would come humbly, confessing their sin and turning, receiving Christ as Savior. And we sing with these saints of old, gone, 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 all my sins are gone. It's amazing, the wonderful uh, death of Christ who should die for us, that you're both justifier and judge. So who should bring anything to the charge of God's elect? Thank you for that. And thank you so much for your death, your burial, praise God. It was the, the death of death and the resurrection of Christ was, was is, is an, the blessed hope, Lord. The first fruits of them that slept. The declared Son of God with power. And we shall follow in his train. Your glorious ascension to heaven, King of kings and Lord of lords, seated. Thank you for that. Thank you for your presence even here and now that we gather in the presence of Jesus, two or three, and here we are, and we're thankful for that and the Word of God and for the Spirit of God who's within us and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God. Blessed Father, blessed Son, blessed Holy Spirit. And we ask that you'd search our hearts. We want to please you. We don't always forgive us of that, Lord, daily. Strengthen us. You've given us gifts and abilities to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs men and women to be unashamed and unafraid. Forgive us. We're so timid at heart, fearful. We're dumb. We're like sheep. We easily stray. Forgive us of that, Lord. Cleanse us and wash us. Encourage us today. Maybe there are two or three or ten here today have never trusted Jesus, and they're not saved. I pray that the Spirit of God would open the heart and let, uh, let them see themselves as they really are, lost sinners, deserving hell. And may they come to Christ and simply receive the gift. It's a gift of salvation be saved even today. For the rest of us who have come to know Christ, may you strengthen us, Lord, in our resolve and determination to live for you, so that increasingly we would say, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I pray for that, Lord. I wish so much that I had more than one life to live for my Savior, and I pray that that would reflect us here at Grace. Give us a heart for people May the love of Jesus flow through us. May we love you and others as we already love ourselves. And may we be your servants. Open the word, teach us, accomplish your purpose this hour. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, Unafraid and Unashamed is, uh, is the title of the message. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 12, and we're going to begin. Let me read the first 12 verses. That's our focus I didn't uh, continue from last week. Uh, there's a little bit of a gap. Jesus pronounced uh, three woes to the Pharisees and then three woes to the scribes. Woe, 
And then he moves into, after talking with them, he's going, now he's sensing the opposition is coming. It is going to be extremely fierce. He is making his way toward Jerusalem from 951. Remember the doctor pivots at 951, second major change of, uh, of the division of the book of Luke. And now he sets his face toward Jerusalem and he's moving toward the cross. And the intensity of the opposition, satanic inspired, is going to be intense. And he's feeling it from the religious people here that you would have thought they would have accepted him, but they didn't. And now they're thinking, how can we do away with this guy, this rabble-rouser that's rebuking us? And then he turns from them to his own, and he's beginning to prepare them how to live for Jesus in a hostile world. Unashamed and unafraid, or unafraid and unashamed. How can we who are earthly are easily intimidated by the slightest hostility to our Christian faith? How can we, I say, learn to live with courageous confidence? That's what I yearn for. I'm sick of being a chameleon, aren't you? Blending in. God wants us to be salt and light. To what's real in here, in your life and mine, to be on exhibition. You are my epistle, Paul said, known and read of all men. Let your epistle, the love of Jesus, be seen in your life and in mine as well, unafraid and unashamed. Well, during the, by way of introduction, during the 1980s, Pastor Jerry Falwell headed up the conservative political group called the Moral Majority. How many of you remember that? Most of you remember that. Did you get your little, little pin on your lapel? And so, what, Mary? Did you get... Yeah, Mary personally knew Jerry. That's right. The moral majority. This band of people, among many were Christians. Many of them, many of them are gone now. They're in heaven. Pop, uh, Faithy's dad, was, uh, was a part of that and proud of that and gave money to, to, to that group and to his school down at Liberty, where Mary ended up graduating from. Well, this group, the moral majority, sought to take a stand in the public arena for what they said were the core values of the majority of Americans, hence the name moral majority. However, many of us, including your pastor, wondered whether there were ever a majority of Americans that held to the biblical values that were being espoused. I, I think it's always been a minority. I, I mean, we have these uh, romantic days of yesteryear thinking about the pilgrims in the colonial days, and it was sort of like uh, a, it was a strong Christian influence, but not everywhere, and I don't ever think there was ever a majority. And here's the point. It was never easy to stand for Jesus. Don't ever think it was. We're going to talk about it's increasingly difficult in our day. That doesn't mean it would, there, were, there ever was a time that it was easy. So let's not try and excuse ourselves. Oh, these are hard times. We can't. This is our day to run. It's a relay race. Ever been in a relay race? We're, we got the baton now. We're lapping the track. Track's coming at us pretty quick. It may be over faster than we're thinking. Today's our day to shine for the Lord. We got the gospel, the treasure of the gospel, to radiate for Christ in little ways and large ways. Allow the light within to shine forth unafraid and unashamed. And that's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is going to prepare his disciples for as we think about this text. Well, America is certainly a great place to live. It is not perfect. It's not heaven. A lot of people want it to be heaven. This is heaven. We're in trouble. I'm going to be so disappointed if this is heaven. Amen? All right, six of us. We are going to be disappointed I mean, <laughs> is this it? It is going to be beyond your wildest imagination, and I can't wait. And here's the good news. In death, you close your eyes. In death, instantly, there's no gap. We talked about a gap. We'll talk a little bit about it today again. No gap. Instantly in the presence of the Lord. All right? Instant. That's not bad, is it? It's like shoots and ladder. I got, the, I got the ladder up. There you go. There I am. Isn't that great? That's the way it's going to be. If we saw it, I think we'd all be taking overdoses. I'm going today. No, it's that great. No, the Lord has something for us to do, to be salt and light, unafraid and unashamed today. 
well, it's a great place to live in America. It's not a Christian nation. Although, you know, when you give your coinage, it's like giving a track. How's that? In God we trust. Of course, everyone fills in the God. It's not always a capital G, and I wonder what God that is. But it is a testimony of something back not too many years ago that they would put that on our coinage and on our dollar bills. I'm glad for that. I don't think that would ever pass today. What do you think? I wonder about that. There is a fiercely secular force operating here that would squeeze Christ and his church out of the public square of community life. We see it, especially at Christmas time. You can't sing Christmas hymns at the, at the, at the children's public school uh, holiday, holiday service and all that kind of thing. We can't, oh, oh my, silent night. Where the, the country's establishing a religion. Oh, please, forgive us. Unbelievable. I remember being at, in Qatar over uh, in, in December, in early December, Muslim country, Christians not allowed, no thank you, stay home type of environment. And there in the hotels, and there in the mall, the Valencia Mall, or the Fasagio Mall, they're playing Christmas songs, real carols in English. I go like, Faith, I can't believe it. They're singing Old Little Town of Bethlehem. And all these black outfit, covered ladies and abayas walking by, and white sheiks and all that. And they go like, this is wonderful. God has a great testimony in the middle of the Arabian desert here. I'm like, away in the manger. And then it really messed me up when we were at the, uh, the it was shaped like this, the Sheridan. And we went there. We, we go there occasionally just because it felt a little like America. You get tired of that that environment, that world, and we'd sit in there and have a little cappuccino, and then this group came in from Japan, and they're putting on a concert in the lobby. Now we got Japanese people singing in English Christmas carols in this hotel in the Arabian Desert. And I'm like, I don't, I, I've, I don't know what world I'm in, but I know this. They'd have a hard time doing that in our public schools. All that to say, there's increasing hostility uh, as satanically inspired to push the church, Christ, and believers. Go have your little thing. Go do it in the little room over there. Please don't be a public voice. Please don't be a political voice. Please don't be any of that kind of a thing. And we, we all sense that, particularly at Christmas time. Can't have a nativity scene, God forbid, and all that in this kind of a thing. We sense that. Well, it's increasingly difficult for Christians to take a stand for Jesus. But I say to you, we must... We must fearlessly and shamelessly speak for Jesus and God's love for lost, sinful men and women. That's our calling. That's our calling. That's really the only reason that uh, God allows you and I to live, to be salt and light and to glorify him that way to those that know not Christ. Think about that. It's a great purpose. It's far beyond making an income. What a small world that is. What do, what do you do? Well, I do this, or why do that? So I can eat. Why do that? So I can eat and sleep indoors. Why do that? I mean, it's come on, get above that. God, if you name the name of Christ, God wants you to wherever the gifts and abilities and opportunities He's given you to live for Him and let the light of Jesus shine, unashamed, unafraid. And Jesus is preparing His disciples to do just that in the text that we're looking at, as the opposition was intensifying. He's going to prepare them as well. Well, well look at the text. Let's read it. In, 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 the, uh, in the meantime, uh, stop just right there. Uh, just the chapter division was added in the 15th, 1500s by Stephanus and others. Uh, you got to look back. What happened? He just confronted. Remember at dinner? He's invited to lunch in 48. He's rebuking the Pharisees because they were hypocrites. And then he went on to do the scribes, they're the lawyers. It doesn't mean like lawyers of our day, it doesn't mean that. It means they were experts in God's law. That's what that meant. And he rebukes them, there are six woes. And then he leaves that, uh, that wonderful dinner party. I bet they weren't doing high fives at the door either. Thank you, Jesus, for being here today. Thank you, Jesus. I don't think so. I think they all disappeared, and then he finally made his way out. That's what happened, and in verse 53 of the previous chapter, as Jesus went away from there, that's the dinner party, 
where he exhorted them and called them hypocrites, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard, provoking him to speak about many things. They're looking to catch him. They're looking now. It's intensifying. They're hating him. They're going to want to kill him. That's what's going on. Lying in, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Now, chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, so now he leaves them. When so many, look at the throngs of people, thousands of people had gathered together. I mean, he is popular uh, with, uh, with the common folks. And they're trampling over one another. And you kind of tell there's an eyewitness that's cluing Luke into what happened on this occasion. Jesus began to say to his disciples, now he's speaking to them. Now he says what? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, again, he's talking to his own, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge him before the angels of God. That's the judgment room setting. God and his angels, the judgment uh, but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers, and incidentally they did, just read Acts and you'll see the fulfillment of that. And the authorities do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Well, unafraid and unashamed, and we see in this, uh, these 12 verses really four insights that help you and help me, help us to be ready to take a stand for Jesus in a world that is often hostile, a world that killed him. And Jesus told us that, don't be surprised by that, and they're going to hate you too, even, even if you smile nice and are handsome and, and athletic and beautiful, and, and they'll hate you because of Christ. That's the world we live in. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised. You may get passed over in a promotion because you don't fit in. Well, what is it? Well, they sense there's something different about you, you know, or you might uh, not be the most popular in school or the... Uh, there may be a separation in your family. I sense that. There were some in our family, and still to this day that know not Christ, and you feel that barrier. And sometimes you're excluded. Well, he's a party pooper. <laughs> you know, and you go, those things hurt. These things hurt, right? Or uh, this kind of thing. There, there is a price to be paid, if not more. Four insights helping you to be ready to take a strong stand for Jesus. I'm saying, we sing it, stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Let's do that. I, I trust here that here's the end of it. If you're a believer that you'll leave here today more determined. I'm going to let the light of Jesus radiate from me. I'm tired of doing this in between, sitting on the fence. Listen, you sit on a fence, you're going to hurt yourself. In the world, but not of the world. Let the light of Jesus shine. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, that may be the reason you are ashamed. You don't have the real deal. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved today. And come and be one of the onward Christian soldiers. Well, the four insight. Here's the first one. You're, you're ready to take a strong stand for Jesus, right? When your heart is free from hypocrisy. That's what he's saying in verses 1, 2, and 3. That's what he said. Exactly. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, we spent time all last week, talking about what is hypocrisy. It's being an actor. It's being in pretense. It's uh, having a huge gap, a gap between what's on the inside of, of who we really are and what we portray. 
And the, and the challenge there is to keep that gap as narrow or gone as much as we possibly can. And the best way to do that is daily confession of sin and deal with those things. And change the metaphor, weed the garden every day. You know, if, you, if you're going to want to have great fruit, you've got to hate weeds, right? You can't have that. I, I had a garden in Indiana. Everyone gardens there, and I didn't for a lot of years in our early pastorate. And the people said, Pastor, you don't have a garden. And I go, oh, no, I don't do that. And I <laughs> finally figured out they really disdained that. They thought, like, well, that's a waste of ground. You, know, you got some grass there. Turn that over. Make a little garden. So we tried that, and it was kind of fun. Some of you have gardens, and you're great at it. I know. <clears throat> but then we went away for a two-week vacation in the summer. I couldn't believe it when I came back. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even see my tomato plants. They were like, what am I growing here? You know, if you're going to have great fruit or veggies, you've got to hate weeds and you've got to weed. Well, our heart is the same. Lord, thanks for giving us a visual on that. That really helps me to remember that. Well, if you're ready to take a strong stand for Jesus when your heart is free from hypocrisy. We're really talking about integrity, aren't we? Integrity. You know, some of you were good at math. You remember the integer, the in, in, integer, the, the one, oneness or wholeness. The word means wholeness or oneness. Essentially, what you see is what you get. Don't you love people like that? You know, the, it just, it, you kind of wonder about people when you're with them a lot and you're really not sure. Gee, I wonder who they really are. You know, like, and, this, and you ought to disdain that. Yourself. You ought to determine, I'm going to be the same person wherever I am. All, you know, it makes life a lot easier. You know, I was like, where am I now? What do I have to be like? Just be who you are. Let the light of Christ shine through. With the, and you're, we're sinful people. We still sin. We do. God forgives us, cleanses, picks us up. But let the love of Christ shine through with a wholeness and a oneness. Jesus just exposed, as I said, and denounced the Pharisees and the lawyers. He rebuked them six times. You can count the woes there. He turns away. They're going to kill him. But notice... I want you to see something in this. Jesus, in this reaction to those that were hating him, he was unafraid and unashamed. Do you notice that? He's real man. He's the God-man, the hypostatic union, but he is completely unafraid. Have you noticed that? He's unafraid and he's unashamed. And that's what he's doing through the Spirit of God and new birth in your life and mine. I mean, <laughs> you would have thought he would have sat down at that dinner party and at least ate something makes everybody happier after they eat. Don't you find that to be true? Everybody gets a little happy and tells stories after we eat one of Faith's great dinners, and it's great fun. Two weeks from now will be a, a really a red-letter day in Sobolski House as it will be the only, only time this year that uh, all of my kids and, and two of their spouses uh, we'll be here, and f uh, all four granddaughters in the house over Thanksgiving, the days before, they'll be here on two weeks on Sunday, and uh, that's like, Faith has that like circled ten times on her calendar, you know, like, like we're going to forget, right? You know, like, and she's going to, we're praying that her back is better so we can have one of those great meals, right? She was saying that, I don't know, I said, oh, don't worry, I'll cook it, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Probably be down at the diner or something. <laughs> but then, you know, after you eat, you relax and you tell stories and it's memory lane. And all that. But you think Jesus, before he would have dealt with them, would have at least let them eat a little bit? No, he's right in the way. He's, he's confronting it, unafraid and unashamed. He recognized that uh, God was leading in his life, his father. And so should we. And so Jesus, uh, in B, he now warns his followers, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The religious men were pretenders. They're playing a role. The inside didn't match the outside. There was a huge gap. They were lost. Leaven, you should know, uh, is like yeast, and it's used in the Bible always to refer to uh, when it's used figuratively, to uh, influence, influence. Leaven is influence. Most of the time, when the Bible refers to it, it's an evil influence, like it is here in this text. The leaven of the Pharisees is the influence of the hypocrites upon you. Beware of that. Watch yourself. Don't get caught into it. In Matthew 13, uh, uh, leaven is used positively, where he uses the parable there that uh, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, 
that begins small and influences and grows and grows and grows. It was the beginning of the church, and by the time it reaches glory and when the ages are done, it'll be enormous. There it's used in a positive way. But most of the time, it's, it's evil influence is, is what Jesus is saying. Uh, and uh, so like good pizza, uh, that uh, a little bit of yeast. Do you like uh, thin pizza or the real? I used to eat the real thick stuff. And then I got smart enough, and I, I love the yeast and the bubbles in it, you know, where it bubbles up, and you, there you're eating air, so that's not too bad on that kind of thing. But uh, I realized, wait a minute, these things are so big, I'm eating mostly bread. So now I like, like the cracker size, you know, the crack, just a little bit of that with the good cheeses and everything else. And uh, Wegmans makes a pretty good one there. That's a big one. That's a 20 Jonathan's home and say, hey, let's go down there again. That's yeast that rises that. that. That's the influence of it. That's what he's talking about. Well, see, Jesus tells that there's coming a day when all secrets will be exposed. His point to them is don't hide in some secret life. Narrow the gap. Have a simple transparency of heart and life as you live and love the Lord Jesus. So he unmasked their hypocrisy. And he calls us to do the same. We're all hiders. We are. We, we tend to think, uh, oh, people can't know me because if they really know me, they won't like me. They'll think I'm awful. A lot of people think the church is that way. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. We've not done the job. We ought to say sinners, put out a sign instead of saying, you know, Grace Community Church. We ought to just say, all sinners, welcome here. Come join us. You know, like that's the church. Forgiven, sinners forgiven, and growing in grace. And we sin, we're growing in grace. We're striving by the power of the Spirit of God to be transparent, to love the Lord. But I fall down sometimes, help me up. And we need each other, we help each other up. That's the local body, that's the church. It's wonderful it is. And, and, and to motivate us, there's coming a day if, if you, that even our, all our secrets are going to be exposed. I don't know if it's going to be like one of these high-tech 3D movies, the theaters, and it'll, and it'll be like, all right, Zabolski, step forward. Yes, Lord. Now, Terry, here's your life. You know, I don't want a rerun. You know, like all the day went at all. And you know what's going to happen at that day? Because I'm under the blood of Jesus. Jesus will say, he's mine. He's mine. I've, I've paid it in full. Isn't that great? That's the gospel. That is the gospel. So live for Jesus now. That's what he's saying. I mean, it, it's in us. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They ate and they went and hid. <laughs> it's just in us. It's just in us. I love like Ron said the other week, you know, sometimes people say things to you and they'll say uh, this and that and you don't want to, and, and I can't remember exactly how you put it, Ron, but you end up, you, oh yeah, you end up, you want to say like, you think I did that? You don't know the half of it. <laughs> I like that. I do. It's just, you know, we're scoundrels and crumbs and, you know, the old reformers were worms, but we're more sophisticated. So we don't sing that. We change the word in our hymns on that now. But, uh, but we are. We are. Well, I, I just love, I love the church in that way. You know, you can go to, you can go to some of these society clubs you know, the JCs and the Rotary. And they're looking for the echelon, right? I think. They never asked me to join. So I think, you know, like, so like you got to come waltzing in with a nice tie and look good and be a person of community and standing and all that. <clears throat> and they're all liars. They're all, they're all, you know, if they don't know Christ, they're lost. And they're, who knows what their story is, right? Same as our story. But the church, we, we go like, welcome sinners. And that's who we are. Forgiven. We're not perfect. Don't you like the bumper sticker? I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. Christ is still working on me. I like that. That, that says it. I love it, really. Well, you're ready to stand for Christ when your heart is free from hypocrisy. Why is that? Because when there's a big gap between what's on the inside and what's on the outside, and now there's pressure, satanic pressure on the outside, you, 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 I can't stand, I can't say anything, because you, yet we have a raging conscience that convicts us. It convicts us. You go like, oh, I know, I know where I'm failing. I'm, I know where I am. I'm not quite, I'm not there. I'm not where I ought to be. And so we lay low in the bushes. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. Beware of that. Run from that. It's like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, did you ever read his, his writing, um, uh, The Telltale Heart? The Guilty Heart. God made us with a conscience. And uh, it's one of the great things that show, incidentally, that you're made in God's image. It's rather amazing. You know, you can have a dog, and your dog does not feel bad if it steals the neighbor's bone. It doesn't bother him at all. He could steal his girlfriend, and he does not have a guilty conscience. But God didn't make you and I as animals. God made us in his image, and there's an alarm that goes off. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. And, and, what, and we try and hide it, squelch it, all the rest. The best thing to do is, is have a heart that's free of this acting business. Just lay it bare before the Lord and do it daily. Weed your soul. And then when the pressure comes, and it does, you'll be a man or woman of integrity and say, wait, that's not right. I, it, it, and, and portray the love of Christ. Well, quickly, that's the first one. Second one found in verses 4 and 5. You're ready to take a strong stand for Jesus when you fear God more than you fear people. That's what Jesus is saying in 4 and 5. Look, look what he says. I tell you, my friends, isn't that a great word? Think of the Creator God calling us as friends. Do not fear those who can kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Circle hell, it's a real place, and nobody talked more about it than Jesus. It's not someone's figment of, a, of imagination, it's a real place. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You're ready to take a, stand, a strong stand for the Lord Jesus in your day-to-day -day life when you're free from hypocrisy, but now second, when you fear God more than you fear people. Now, we can't eliminate fear altogether. I mean, FDR said that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, you know, that, that sounds nice, rolls off the tongue nice, but that's crazy. We have an enemy. We have enemies in the world. Satan's an enemy. We're to be on watch and be careful of that. There are people that would harm us and hurt us and bypass us, and, and they kill us with their tongues and slander, killing without knives, right? Uh, trying to ruin reputations, and, and uh, she's not much of a mother, and she, what kind of a, you know, this kind of stuff. Be careful about that. We can't eliminate fear altogether. It's part of our frailty as fallen creatures living in a vast universe ruled by a sovereign God. However, there is more than one kind of fear. That's the point. And you get that from the Lord's words here. The wrong kind of fear is fearing people. Jesus tells us, don't do this. Stop it. He reasons. Now, don't you love his reasoning here? I love this. I love it. He reasons that man can only kill the body. That's all. And you go like, what? <laughs> I thought that was the end. Close it, done, finished. <laughs> It's, it puts a giant P.S. on it. You ever write a letter? People don't write letters anymore. But you know, sometimes when you do it online, right, you do a, maybe a P.S., he puts an enormous postscript on this thing. Don't fear them. They can only kill the body. What? You know, like, what? No, P.S. After that. I love it. I've circled it in my Bible. <laughs> after that. Well, after that. This is the Lord of glory, the God of creation, saying, after that, Oh, there isn't. You mean when you die, you're just not just material and they throw you in a hole and that's it? No, Jesus said, and after that, oh, P.S. Oh, my. What words? <laughs> it tickles me. Don't fear people. You know, in doing so, you make an idol out of them. Why is that? This is what happens. They loom large, God looms small, and you want to be accepted before them, even above God. That makes them an idol. That you want them either to like you or to have you fit in. or, or so. And those things are not wrong. God made us social beings, of course. Of course. But not at the expense of our God and Lord and Savior. Be careful about that. That your desire for how they think about you does not overcome what the Lord thinks about you, where you would deny him. It's wrong. Jesus is saying it's wrong to fear people more than God. The right kind of fear is fear only God. And he tells us, like, we're going to need help here three times in the, in the first here, in these two couple verses. Three times. Jesus, fear God. That means to tremble at God's authority, his presence, 
and his power over heaven and hell. Revere him, obey him. That's what it means. Bring his word to bear upon your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. Live for him. That's, it's, not a, it's not a terrifying fear, oh God. No, it's a reverential fear for respect. You have a, you have a fear of, a, of, of local police authority. You do, I know you do. I've seen you drive and you drive by a police cruiser and your driving improves. And it's just a miracle how that happens. Just that you go, oh, I think I better not be going 90 here, you know. So <laughs> that's what I mean. There's a respect there. You see the authority on a civil community level and that badge represents a, a, a designated authority and you drive, Pam, is that convicting? I'm not sure why you're hiding. Okay. <laughs> okay, and it, but that it's that kind of reverential fear. It's a, it, it's the it's the healthy respect we have for parents, you know. Uh, uh, and and when we crossed that line, it it became overwhelming because I knew my father was coming home, and I was gonna I was going to get the business end of something, and uh, for reinforcement. And uh, why? Because he had authority and respect. And, and the one who loved me the most humanly, my mom and my dad, was the one who could provide proper correction. And, and I, by God's grace, uh, uh, revered that and felt the point of that at points. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? So that's what, that, that's what he's talking about. Fear him, because he alone will allow people into heaven or send them to hell and it's forever. Did you know that? It's forever and ever and ever and ever. We're here but a moment. Have you noticed how quick it goes? We're, we're a vapor, and hell and heaven are forever. Whenever it talks of heaven and then it talks hell in the same, it uses the same language to describe the duration of both. As long as people are in glory in heaven, they are in hell. And hell is not Satan's place. God throws Satan into hell. It's not Satan's domain. He doesn't take people to hell. Hell was created for Satan and his angels, and all those will not bow the knee to the Lord Jesus. How about John Knox? Some of you may have read of John Knox, a great illustration, fearing God more than fearing people. I uh, had a joy of being in his church in Edinburgh a number of years ago and standing in his pulpit. You talk about, and, and afterward... <laughs> And afterward, I, I think it, that's a Presbyterian, as Scotland, the state church is Presbyterian. And uh, I asked the, uh, there was a little guide there, uh, where, where, where's John Knox buried? And talk about, and afterward, you know. And I could tell he wasn't a fan of John Knox by some of the things he said. And then, uh, then he said, oh, he's... He said, did you park in the parking lot? And I said, uh, no, we came in on the train and we walked up. He said, well, look at parking spot number 53. That's where, <laughs> that's where, John, that's where they buried. Well, he was buried there and years later, now it's a parking lot. I hope they moved the bones, but the way he said it, it sounded like he's under number 53 parking spot afterward. John Knox, God set his heart aflame, and he said, give me Scotland or I die. And even with the wicked queen that he faced, he never backed down, he never feared. And he preached like a man on fire and God used him to draw Scotland back to God. What a great example. What a great, great example. Uh, oh, would to God that God would raise up many men and women that feared God only and certainly feared God more than any other person. That's how you stand strong for the Lord. Fear God. Fear God. You know, fear God. Number three, third, in verses six to nine, you're ready to take a strong stand when you fully believe that God knows you. He knows everything about you and cares for you. You're ready to take a strong stand. Look at six and nine. Six through nine, the Lord Jesus goes on to say, Are not five sparrows, those little birds, sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are more valuable than many sparrows. What is he saying here? He says, we're, we're, we're ready to stand when we really get our arms around the truth that God knows me. He made me. He gifted me. He gave me this time. 
He's brought me to this point. And not only does he know everything about me, Psalm 139, but he cares for me more than anyone could ever care. He cares. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And so in the midst of the intensity and the pressure of a godless, dark, increasingly dark spiritual world in our families, workplace, neighborhoods, wherever, wait a minute, the Lord knows me. He's not forgotten me. He's not lost me. And yet more than that, like a good shepherd, he cares and provides and leads and carries me. It's an amazing truth. Look what I wrote there. If you stand up for Jesus today in the verses 6 through 9, he will stand up for you later at the final judgment. Can I say this, put it this way? It's uh, at the, he will stand up for you at the most important moment in all your life. Can we say that? I mean, everything else, when it boils down to it, there it is at the judgment seat of Christ, and the secrets are all known. All the bad stuff and this and that, and Jesus said, he's, and, and, and at that moment, imagine that courtroom, throne room, and he goes, he is mine. He's He's mine. He stands up for us. And we're in him. Is that the, isn't that not the most incredibly important moment of eternity? I mean, that's, that's, that's the great division there. If he doesn't stand, you're in deep trouble. But he claims us, and we are, we are safe. There's no condemnation to them that are in Jesus. He's mine. But if we deny him today, Jesus is going to say, you will be denied that day that they were talking about. Before the angels, that's the, the setting of the judgment. I never knew you. Jesus will say in that day, Matthew 7, depart from me to everlasting damnation. Now, if... In small ways and large, we've all failed at that. We've done the Peter thing, right? I don't know him. I don't know him. But I trust at this point, at this message, you will say with resolve, that is never going to happen again. The Lord strengthened me to stand for Jesus in a world that hates him. And to deny him ultimately means that you're an unbeliever. It's not like you're a believer and you deny him and therefore you're not going to get into heaven. It's not works, grace kind of a thing. But uh, if you're genuinely saved, yeah, I have the greatest yearning in my heart, your heart to let people know, rescue the perishing and care for the dying. That's not just the work of pastors. That's all of us in a world that needs Jesus. And so how do we do that? Well, we know that he loves me and cares for me. And at the great moment, he will stand for me. He cares about me. God has placed his ultimate valuation on us through the cross, where Jesus died for men and women, for our sins. So when we see a sparrow, Jesus is talking about these little birds, the little sparrow, can anything be more worthless? I never heard anyone say in the spring, hey, I saw my first sparrow. Right? But we, I'm always looking for the first robin. I told Faith, I saw a robin. Big, I think she's pregnant. Oh, really? Where Did you see the nest? You know, kind of get excited about that. I, not, not a sparrow, though. I think they hang around all winter, don't they? Does some of you know that? Yeah. Making a mess in the eaves and everything else. Right? Well, when we, so the lesson of the sparrow. So when you see a sparrow, use it to remind yourself, and we need this, that God really knows and loves you. He will be with us in times of trouble. He will provide for our daily needs. He will give us guidance for the future. He will rescue our broken relationships. He will heal the deep, deepest wounds of our heart. He knows, he loves, and he cares for us. It's so great. Don't fear man. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. And acknowledge him publicly before men and women, boys and girls. And to do so means to be open and honest about your total life commitment to him as Savior and Lord. Stand up and be counted. We do this by the things we say and do. You know, your life has a message. And your life message is bigger than your verbal message. You know, and I've said it a thousand times, I probably won't get it right, but your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Hey, I did it. I don't know where that came from, but it's true. We all have a life message. 
You know, is your life message Jesus? Oh, I pray that it is. Acknowledge him. Make the confession before him, and he will bless you and honor you. He values animals. Let me say this. Some of you are great animal lovers. He knows the animals. He values them. Animals aren't junk. God has a place for them. And in fact, the variety of each one of them, he wants us to learn the value of, a, of certain animals and marvel at the creativity and the design and the wonder of God who created as such. I was looking at a picture of a hippo, hippopotamus this week. I thought, what value is that thing? But if I were on the Serengeti and one of those were coming after me, holy cow, would I move out? That is a mean, mean fighting machine. You ever take a close inspection of one of them? Say, Lord, what's the lesson there? <laughs> like, and then a lot of them, they like the pools of water. They're underwater and all that. Anyway, sparrows. God, the lesson of the sparrow. God made that. We are to confess Christ regardless of persecution, opposition. And if we do not confess him, he will deny us. Depart from me. Oh, we don't want ever to hear that. Well, the last insight, helping you to be ready to stand, not only be free of hypocrisy, fear God more than people, believe uh, that God knows you altogether and cares for you, and has ordered the steps of your life even. But finally and last, you're ready to stand when you trust that the Holy Spirit will help you in your witness. It's the Spirit of God who will help you. Isn't that great? That's what this all, we don't have time to develop it, we have it other times, What's the sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and all that? Verse 10, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but one who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious, don't worry about what you're going to say. Just depend on the Spirit. The Spirit of God will give you the words at such a moment. And as I said to them particularly, many of them, the book of Acts revealed that completely. For God will help us to shine for him in a difficult situation. Rather than, A, speaking against the Holy Spirit, by speaking against him and rejecting Jesus as believers, we have been blessed by the Spirit. And I'm not going to, with time's sake, get into what is this unforgivable sin. It's simply, ultimately, and finally today, it's simply to reject the Spirit's testimony that Jesus is the Christ, and you must believe on him. It's unbelief. If you die in unbelief, you will never be saved, ever. It's the unforgivable sin. And coupled with that, in the day in which Jesus lived, he was being empowered by the Spirit of God in his humility and to say, Jesus, you're doing all of this, not by the Holy Spirit, but by Satan, and speaking that way against the Holy Spirit of God in, in, in total rejection of Christ. Again, it's unbelief. It's rejection, rejection. Rejection, and that's still true today. So rather than doing that, be so when unbelievers oppose you, don't fear, trust, trust God, for the blessed Holy Spirit will help you even in that hour, in your family, your marriage, at school or work, on the basketball court, in the marketplace, wherever. He'll bring... He'll bring to your mind and give you words to say, and he'll give you a sweet, gentle, but boldness. You know, boldness is a great mark. It's a great mark of the Spirit's work in a man or woman's life. Because it's not intuitive to us. I mean, there's some people that are, they're, that are just blabbermouth, and they just cut loose and let it fly. But we're talking the sweet spirit of a loving Savior, but boldly speaking the words of truth the words of life. And that boldness that comes out is through the Spirit of God with compassion to those that need to hear that they're lost, and if they die in that state, they're lost forever. And the love of God is provided for all their need. That boldness to be as wise as serpent and innocent as doves, and the Spirit of God will take that a lot of times, even children. You know, sometimes hardened folks will be hard. I'll never go to church, oh, this and that, cuss and use the Lord. And then when the grandchildren come, they'll say, hey, grandpops, uh, do you love Jesus? You know, that four-year-old sitting on his lap. I've seen hardened men cry as a result of that. And God speaks his word. A babe shall lead them. 
break the hard heart of a man who has rejected Christ all his life in that tender, sweet love of a child to say that, to see them come to Christ. 1 Peter 3.15, it tells us anyway that we're to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus. That's what we're doing. Let's, lessons for our life, and we, we'll be done here. Number one, today God is asking you to take a stand for him. Don't hold back. He'll bless you. He will. Say, Lord, give me courage. Let me uh, let, make sure my heart is free of hypocrisy. Let me not fear them. They're not, they're not greater than you. You love and care for me. I need your help. Don't hold back. Unafraid. Unashamed. Number two, confessing Christ has never been easy. Don't excuse yourself saying, oh, these are tough days. These are tough days. No one's seen the days that I've seen. No, it's always been tough. Know that. Uh, the world hated Christ. They killed him. And uh, they can't get to him anymore. And so they'll pour their wrath in small ways and large upon those that name the name of Christ. You should expect that. Count it all joy, really, to be able to suffer for Jesus. The disciples did that. They were whipped and abused, thrown in jail, and they sang. They sang that, that the Savior who gave so much in dying on that cross that they could give that little bit for him. Wow, what a great thing. Number three. Boldness, as I said, is produced in you by the Holy Spirit as you live for Jesus every day. That's sweet. I'm not talking brash. I'm not talking hard-headed. I'm not talking crass. But the sweet boldness to be able to speak forth truth and to do it into the hearts of men and women that you ought to be praying for if you see them on a daily basis. Put them in your prayer book. Pray that God would open their hearts, one sows, another waters. God is the one. That, it's not up to you to save them, but it's you and I to bear witness and plant the seed of the gospel. And God will bring to fruit those he will bring. And we're to be a part of that. Wow. Number four and last. Finally, perhaps you're afraid. And, and just maybe, just maybe it's because you've walked with Christians, you grew up in a Christian home, but maybe you've never trusted Christ. There's never been a point in your life where you truly came before him bankrupt, poor in spirit, confessed, I'm a sinner lost. Lord, I've come to understand you died and I must be born again. I must receive you as my Savior. You must be born again. Jesus said that. If I can help in any way in that, I'd love to pray with you, counsel you. You can, in the quietness of this moment, say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my God. Thank you for dying for me. If you come to understand that and believe that with all your heart, then God has opened your heart and you are saved based upon the authority of the word. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's room at the cross for you. So let's go forth, shall we? Let's go forth and live unashamed. Unashamed. He was not ashamed of us. Think about that. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, this, and he, he was crucified, unafraid. You read all the account of that last week and those last days, you don't see any fear, completely trusting. That's what he wants to do in your life and mine. May God help us. May the Spirit of God give us strength to leave this place and go into a world of salt and light. Shall we stand? Father, thank you so much for the word of God and the power of the gospel. And Lord, we thank you so much that